You're listening to Jet Nation Radio, the official podcast of JetNation.com, the largest independent fan site in the NFL. Be sure to check out our forums and talk all things Jets with thousands of other diehard Jets fans. Now to get you up to date on all the latest Jets news, notes, and quotes, here are your hosts, Glenn Naughton and Alex Barallo. Good evening, Jets fans. I am Glenn Naughton. This is Jet Nation Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in. Alex will not be able to join us tonight, and I do apologize. Uh, snafu. Seems we've been having some some issues with blog talk, and we're going to explore some more options because um, while the audio quality from the the very brief minute or two I did last night was uh was probably the best it's been in in months because we made some changes, but because of those changes. I was unable to hear Alex on his end of the line. And uh, basically, it was just a huge mess. Uh, and it seems to always be something with blog talk every couple of weeks. So because the options we use with better quality audio don't seem to work with blog talk, I'm assuming this episode will struggle with the audio because this is the only method it will work with. So to uh, to find another another alternative. So hang in there. If you would. So as I said, Alex won't be joining us tonight. We've got uh we've got Christian Dyer from Sports Illustrated calling in. Uh if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know Christian's a good friend of the show. He's been uh coming on regularly for quite a while now. Of course, went to uh USA today and covered some soccer for a bit. So we lost him and uh now he's back on the NFL beat, which is great news because Christian does an excellent job. So we're going to talk, obviously, about the loss. The, uh, I mean, we expected the loss. The Jets, obviously, were far more competitive than many of us imagined. I think I said, I think I said it would be a 42-10, I think is what I said, and uh, it was 42-21. So uh, hey, there's uh, there's something to hang your hat on, huh? You didn't get uh, get your head kicked in quite as badly as you thought you would. But uh, again, 42-21. There were some positives to take away from this game. I mean, again, it's a game right now. You, you probably you have to figure the Ravens are a, a, a number one or number two uh, most popular choice at the moment to win the Super Bowl because they're doing a great job. Lamar Jackson has been absolutely fantastic, and that that whole team is just firing on all cylinders. I'm going to talk a little bit about the. Injury report, which is just seems to grow and grow and grow by the day. It's a it's a never ending thing, and even if you hadn't heard Robbie Anderson not injured, but even he was uh, on the injury report today, sent home ill, uh, much like Le'Veon Bell last week. So here's to hoping that uh, there's nobody stalking Robbie Anderson to take a picture of him doing something other than lying on his couch to uh, create a headline because this is kind of where we're at at this point in time. We're going to, we're also going to look, did an article earlier in the week, did pretty well, generated a lot of conversation. We're going to look at the, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles draft picks that were made while Joe Douglas was with the Eagles. And the thing I find hilarious about this is that, I mean, you know, spoiler alert, it doesn't look good. The, the picks that the Eagles made while Joe Douglas was on board with them. 
that's not to say that's Joe Douglas's fault. It's important. The reason why it it's worth looking at is because Joe Douglas was Howie Roseman's right hand man in Philly. He was, you know, vice president of player personnel. That's the guy who's got the GM's ear in the war room. And his voice is going to carry more weight than anybody else in that war room. So some people were evidently upset when I wrote that article. I mean, what's, what's, what's going through people's heads nowadays? Why are people so insane? Can anyone tell me that? Can anyone tell me why people are so nuts? So polarized by everything. It doesn't even have to be politics. I don't, I don't tend to talk politics, but basically people turn sports into politics. And whether it's a player or a GM or a coach, guys make it, you know, I hate that guy, so everything he does is wrong and everything he says is stupid, da 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 and, and people think, because people are insane and they think a certain way, they think that everyone thinks that way. So when I say, oh, wow, those drafts in Philly with Joe Douglas don't look so great, I get people telling me he wasn't the GM at the time. Yeah, no kidding. It's, it's literally in the article that I wrote. Like I explain before I get into the picks, I make a point to explain that these are Howie Roseman's picks, but it's worth looking at because Joe Douglas is the next highest ranking guy in the room. And I have people saying, oh, should we look at his picks in, in Baltimore too? Well, you tell me. Was he the vice, player, pres- vice president of player personnel in Baltimore? Pretty sure that was Eric DaCosta. But because the results were bad, people are getting upset with me. Like I had something to do with it. And I don't mind that. I'm just not a big fan of the insanity. Because remember, remember when Joe, it's funny, when, when the Jets, when the Jets hired Joe Douglas, all we heard was, we we just we just got a GM who built the Eagles. He just he built a Super Bowl roster. This team won a Super Bowl two years ago, and this guy built it. We got a Super Bowl architect. And then you look at the players that were drafted during his tenure, and all of a sudden he had nothing to do with it. Oh no, he wasn't the GM. He wasn't the GM. So when so when the focus was on the Super Bowl victory, he built it. It was his baby. But when you look at the actual picks, he had nothing to do with it. He was just he was uh, you know, he, he was writing the names on the board as Howie Roseman made the picks, and 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 you know taking out the trash. They are Howie Roseman's picks. But Joe Douglas, if you're going to be honest with yourself and not be an idiot would have had quite a bit of say. You don't hire a guy to be your VP of player personnel so that you can ignore him on draft day. He's someone whose input you value. So you have to believe that Howie Roseman valued Joe Douglas's input. I have people telling me, oh, but look at that offensive line. Listen, we need an offensive line. Look at the offensive line they built in Philly. Yeah. 
That line was built before Joe Douglas got there. And I'm not knocking Joe Douglas. Again, this is part of the insanity that people are experiencing right now. You point out a fact, a fact, not an opinion, a fact, an actual real thing that we can look up and verify as being truthful. And if that truth, if that fact isn't flattering, then people say, you're bashing the guy. Why are you, why are you ripping this guy already? Why are you, he hasn't even had one draft and you're ripping him. No. I'm saying, hey, everybody, these are the players he picked. And because, none, because most of them aren't any good, I have people ask me why I'm ripping the GM. It's, it's insane. It really is insane. But that's where we are. I think people use sports as an escape from the real world, especially the garbage that is politics. And as a result, subconsciously, they are substituting the politicians. They're swapping them out for football players and general managers. And they're picking a player or a coach or a GM they like, and that's their guy. He can do no wrong. Everything he does is right. We're gonna get into. We're gonna look at those picks later on, but please spare me the. Those weren't his picks. Save it. I know they weren't his picks. I said as much. The injury report. As I said, let, let's go. Let's just do this now. Just popped up. That's what made me. That's what made me say it again. I know we talked about it a minute ago. I think we're we're approaching the point where. We should just read off the guys that are healthy, and that'll save us some time. So, top of the list, Robbie Anderson, illness, did not practice today. Right guard, Tom Compton. Sorry, left guard. I'm losing my mind. Right guard, yes, Alex Lewis, left guard. Compton, right guard. So, Tom Compton, right guard. Calf, did not practice yesterday or today. Demarius Thomas, hamstring, knee. Did not practice today or yesterday. The following players were limited. Jamal Adams' ankle. Henry Anderson's shoulder. Ankle. Sorry, ankles. Arthur Molette, calf. Steve McClendon, knee and hip. Brian Poole, concussion and ankle. Bilal Powell, ankle. Quentin Williams, neck. All limited yesterday and today. B.J. Bello, limited on Wednesday, full go today. Maurice Kennedy, shoulder, full go. The rest of these guys are full. Blake Countess, ankle, Sam Darnold, knee. David Fales, elbow. Bennett Jackson, illness. Kyle Phillips, hip. Brent Quale, knee. And Nathan Shepard, rib, ankle. That's a lot what is that, 20, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, a bunch. That's a bunch of guys that are hurt. We'll see who goes, who doesn't. I would expect Jamal Adams will go. I would expect Quentin Williams to go. And I got to tell you, I really hope, I really hope, and I tweeted this out the other day, you know, Greg Williams, that there's two games left in the season, man. Just, just send Quentin Williams out there, play the hell out of him, 
put him in position to make some plays, get a little bit of uh, positive momentum going toward now. I mean, it, listen, it was frustrating to watch the last time he was on the field against the Dolphins because that looked like it was going to be the first time we were going to see this guy blow up. And he was just dominating, absolutely dominating early on. And then all of a sudden, he gets the stinger, and uh, and he's out for the game. Sorry, the burner. And he's out for the game, neck injury. So, really frustrating situation. But the Jets just continue to to battle the injuries, but Williams and Adams are back. And I got to tell you, it's... It, you know, one of the few things that will make things interesting at the moment is uh, Jamal Adams is going to get after this sack record. If he can get a couple over the next, you know, couple this week, couple next week, which with nothing to lose, if you're Greg Williams, hell, why not Why not run him out there and just say, look, I'm just going to have you get after the quarterback all day. Um, because it, it's not like, uh, not as if the team's going anywhere. Right? So I, I say... Get Quinn and Williams out there. Keep them on the field. 40% of snaps, 50% of snaps. 60, forget, just put them out there until he can't go. Why not? Jamal Adams, get him after the, get him after the quarterback. Let him try to break that record. Something, something decent come out of this season. I mean, my goodness. It's been a, it's been a rough one, but a couple, couple roster moves. The Jets have... Signed wide receiver Josh Malone from their practice squad. And yesterday they signed because again they have they have some uh they have some vacancies, some open spots on this roster. Yesterday, and I want to say this happened not long after we went off the air. Well for the for the five minutes we were on the air, someone that Joe Douglas would be familiar with from his days in Baltimore, Kenneth Dixon, uh, Ravens backup running back. He's battled some injuries, still only 25 years old. Uh, nice yards per carry average. Looks like he can uh, he can be a decent decent role player. You have to imagine Bilal Powell with the ankle. That's probably why it happened. Uh, the more interesting one, though, Josh Malone, uh, who they just added to the roster. This just came out a few tweets from a few different beat writers. Malone, you know, I think most fans, I, I'm not just myself, you love, you love those guys, the, the big guys who can run, just multi-dimensional, give 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 teams something to uh, something to worry about deep down the field if guys can if guys can out jump you or just out outreach you and and do it with uh, with top level speed. And Josh Malone's a guy who ran a four four forty at the combine a couple of years ago and he checks in at six foot three. So six three, four four is not bad. He's uh he's a guy he, he played at Tennessee and he's he's uh he's been he's been with the Jets for a little while. They, I'm trying to remember when they signed him. It was it was fairly earlier this season. And he's a guy that hasn't played a ton. He's again former Cincinnati Bengal. He's played in twenty two or sorry, twenty career games, seven starts He's only got seven catches. Um, what seven catches, seventy-five yards? So he he hasn't really had a, a huge opportunity. Again, a Tennessee guy with with great with really good size, six-three, very good speed at four-four. So 
you hope that he's a guy, again, with, with Demarius Thomas being hurt, this might be a situation where he gets on the field. So this uh, from Dennis Wozak from the Associated Press saying that Jets wide receivers coach Sean Jefferson had this to say on Josh Malone. Now, this is a guy in practice. He's absolutely killing it out there. He makes plays everywhere. I'm excited one of these days to get him to get him up and just put him in the game and see if he'll bite. So some high praise from Sean Jefferson for Josh Malone saying, saying just yesterday that he hopes he gets the opportunity to play or to, you know, get up, get on the field. So maybe he does that again with all the injuries that uh, the Jets might not, they might not have a choice like it or not. They may have to put him out there. And Malone, he's uh, again, he's, he's been in the league a couple of years. He's listed at six, three. He's uh had a, had a, a really good final season at Tennessee in 2016. Uh, only 230 yards his first year, 405 his second year. But then in year three, he kind of blew up 50 catches, 972. So that's an average of 19.4 catch. That's pretty darn good. Uh, 11 touchdowns. Don't see a whole lot in terms of return, which doesn't surprise me. Uh, those, you know, you don't see a lot of six three, six foot four return guys. NFL.com. Let's see. They don't, uh, yeah, he's saying full-time starter as a sophomore. Came into his own in 2016, which we just talked about. 50 for 972. All right. Played with Dobbs and Kamara at Tennessee. So, big guy. Well, uh, as a matter of fact, when the Jets signed him, I remember looking and watching uh, watching a little bit of Tennessee football. And he's a big dude. I, I, can't, remember, I can't remember how physical he was. That's what's escaping me at the moment. Um, but obviously, with that yards per catch and 11 scores, he did make some big plays in his final season. And let's face it, you know, the Bengals aren't exactly known for being the uh, the world's greatest talent evaluators. Not that the Jets are, you know, much better. So here's the hope they let one slip away that the Jets can capitalize on. So with that, as I said, Christian Dyer should be calling in about 15 minutes. And we're going to start and we're going to just take a look here, as I mentioned, each and every pick the Philadelphia Eagles made while Joe Douglas was the vice president of player personnel. But they weren't his picks. Yeah, no kidding. He wasn't the GM. But boy, when he was hired, Joe Douglas built those Eagles teams. He, Joe Douglas single-handedly. Howie Rosen was out eating cheesesteaks while Joe Douglas built that roster. Picks don't look so good. That wasn't Joe Douglas's roster. He didn't have anything to do with that. So, anyway, let's we'll start back from year one, his first year with the Eagles, back in 2017. Somebody somebody tweeted me uh, that the Eagles drafted a really good old lineman in 2016, um, and I that was Joe Douglas wasn't there. He was working for the Eagles in 2016. They hired him after that draft. So he wasn't on the staff until 2017. So without further ado, 2017, Joe Douglas, vice president of player personnel with the Eagles. The Eagles selected Derek Barnett, defensive end. I have to be honest, this guy was one of my favorite players in the draft. I actually picked, he was one of the guys I picked. I think I put a few bucks on him to win defensive rookie of the year. Didn't happen. Uh, played all right at five sacks. But basically, through three pro seasons, 
or you know, a couple games short of three pro seasons. Barnett's got 12, 64 tackles, 12 sacks. Uh, started 12 games this year, got four and a half sacks. So his career high is five, which he got as a rookie. So he's got a chance to set a new, a new career high. Uh, so not exactly the production you look for out of a number one pick, but he's, you know, as I said in the uh, the, the article I did there, he's getting better. So wouldn't uh, I wouldn't exactly lose my mind because he's not been lighting the world on fire as the 14th pick. Round two, cornerback Sidney Jones, number he went 43rd overall. Uh, he's in year three. He's still not a starter. Eight starts in three years. PFF, pretty terrible grade at 47.5. So Sidney Jones, round two, 43rd pick in 2017. Not a starting player, not grading out well, not 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 making a lot of plays. Uh, the second rounder. Third rounder, Razul Douglas. I talked a lot about him this offseason. He was a guy that I hope the Jets would make a run at when they were in need of a corner. Freaking maybe Joe Douglas would call his old team. Uh, he had a nice year last year, and a lot of people thought he would kind of make that leap in year three and become a, a high-level player. But he's only started five games this year. Not really a regular starter. He's played in 13, started five. Uh, and after uh, he's, got, he's got no interceptions. He's had five interceptions over the course of the last two years. This year, zero picks, five starts. So not uh, not trending in the right direction as we thought, or at least as I thought he would, for Razul Douglas. Then you have wide receiver Mac Hollins, round four, 118th overall. He's off the team. No longer, no longer around. Donnell Pumphrey. Another fourth rounder. He's in the XFL. Never never had a carry. Running back. Never had a carry with the Eagles. So that's Hollins off the team. Pumphrey off the team in the XFL. Next up is Shelton Gibson, a fifth round pick. Three catches, 59 yards with the Eagles. Let go. He's now with the Browns. Nathan Jerry, college safety, who's been converted to linebacker. Probably one of the best, if not the best value picks that the Eagles had here. Two and a half sacks this year. Uh, in three seasons as a pro, he started 12, 12 games, 81 tackles. So, by no means a great player. But when the one, two, three, when the three guys before that are off the roster three years later, you're happy to get anything out of anyone at that point. And then Elijah Qualls, a sixth-round pick, he too is in the XFL. So that year one produced Derek Barnett, who's, who I would say is a quality starter heading in the right direction. Sidney Jones, up to this point in his career, not a starter. Razul Douglas, not a starter. Mac Hollins, no longer with the team. Donnell Pumphrey, no longer in the NFL. Shelton Gibson, he's in Cleveland. Nathan Jerry, he's still with the, he's still with with the Eagles, and then Elijah Qualls out of the NFL. The following season, Dallas Godert, tight end. They didn't have a first rounder. He went in round two. Uh, good player. I actually liked him a lot coming out, but because they have Zach Ertz, he doesn't see the football a whole lot. 
He's uh, he's averaging basically since being drafted a couple years ago. He's averaging 26 yards a game. Um, is that because of the fact that he's that's how good he is? I don't think so. I think Goder could be better than he. He does have eight touchdowns. I just think uh, he's not getting a ton of opportunities because of uh, Zach Ertz. Then round four, Avante Maddox, 125 overall. Started nine games as a rookie, only four games this year. Again, fourth rounder, not starting. Josh Sweat was the next pick. Another fourth rounder, not a starter. Uh, Had three sacks this year. Those are his first three sacks as a pro. Matt Pryor, round six, offensive tackle, 206 overall. They've moved him to guard. He has yet to start a game. And then Jordan Malata, seventh rounder, another offensive tackle. Has not played, placed on IR each of the last two seasons. Now, 2019, these guys are rookies. You can, you know, grain of salt and all that. Andre Dillard, the team traded up to draft him. 22nd overall. A lot of people feel like he's going to be a good player. He has played a little bit this season, not a great deal. Uh, hasn't looked fantastic, but again, he's a rookie uh, with limited reps. Let's not lose our minds. Uh, Miles Sanders went in round two. He's probably the best value pick they had during Douglas's time. As a second rounder, he's got 948 yards from scrimmage as a rookie this year. So, productive young guy. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, if you listen to this show, you know he was one of my favorite players in this draft. I was quite surprised that he didn't uh, have a bigger impact, especially since Philly has nobody at receiver. Uh, But Arcega-Whiteside has not caught on, no pun intended. Round four, Sharif Miller. Uh, He's played two snaps this year, both on special teams. And then fifth rounder, Clayton Thorson, quarterback who many thought would be groomed to back up Carson Wentz. He, in his rookie year as a fifth rounder, is already gone. He's on the Dallas Cowboys practice squad. So that's what we've got. Three years of draft for Joe Douglas. Can't grade him. I get it. Need three years to, to judge these players. I get it. But this is just to get a feel. Like, what's the strategy here? They saw several offensive linemen, despite the fact that the Eagles have a dominant offensive line. So clearly something the Eagles prioritized, and you would have to imagine that the former offensive lineman, Joe Douglas, had some influence there. I like that we see multiple corners. So I like the approach. I like the positional approach, positional value. The results, on the other hand, not so hot. Not so hot for Joe Douglas. I mean, really, Derek Barnett is probably the only guy you can look at and say, that dude is definitely starting caliber, like consistent starting caliber. Dillard will get there. Dillard will get there. But when the dust settled, uh, not a, the worst thing about this is the reason I did this is because I was doing something I often do, which is um, I was sitting around shaking my head at how terrible the Jets are, just randomly. And I thought, you know what? Let me cheer myself up a little bit and go look at some of these drafts the Eagles had with Joe Douglas in the war room as the vice president. And I started looking, and I'm like, all right. Uh, I didn't – like, Roswell Douglas, honestly, I had no idea he had no picks this year and was a, was a part-time starter. That, that one surprised me a little bit. 
because I thought he was going to be a, a really good player, and he still might be. But it was when it was like when it was becoming clear that almost all of these guys are slotted right now somewhere between backup and XFL. Not a lot of starters on those three drafts. And again, I get it, especially this year's guys. I get it. Not writing anyone off after a season. But even if you look at the year two guys, you kind of expect a little more out of them. But anyway, that didn't happen. I I wanted to jump into that first because uh, that generated a lot of conversation, a lot of topics, Twitter, on the the forums at JetNation.com, which if you are not on there, get on there, log in, register, JetNation.com forums. Uh, Tons and tons of knowledgeable Jets fans and a couple of other people too. So, uh, But check it out when you get a chance, JetNation.com, go to the forums, give it a look. And uh, if you're a diehard fan, you will enjoy it. And while actually, while I'm on that, let's let's say let's just send a a quick thank you to our sponsor, Jet Nation Radio. I'd like to thank our sponsor, Miles Social. That's M I L E Social. If you're running a business and looking for someone to manage all of your social media needs, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, whatever it may be, all of them, all of the above. Log on to milesocial.com. That's M-I-L-E social.com. Check them out. Great sponsor for the show. So normally, normally we kick things off with a with a, a recap of the previous week's game, but I wanted to get into Joe Douglas stuff first. But now let's let's talk about this game on on well on Thursday. Uh, listen, Darnold did some good things. This is one of the best defenses in the league. Still managed to toss a couple touchdowns, but uh, the Ravens got up big early. They went up 14 nothing, well, 13 nothing after the missed extra point. And that was just, uh, that was in the first quarter. Jets countered Jamison Crowder on what was a beautiful pass from Sam Darnold for a four-yard touchdown on a long drive for the Jets, and that was one. I want to say, is that the one that was set up with the Berrios punt return? I can't recall now. So, I, uh, yeah, I'm trying to see. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. It's not coming up here. But either way, the Jets the Jets looked good, came back down the field, and you kind of you had the impression that, uh, that they might be able to make a game of it. Because it, you know, that er- the early feeling was, that it was going to be a blowout, and you thought if the Jets didn't score there to at least, you know, get it to 14-7, then it was going to be, uh, it was going to be, it was going to be something to worry about. And, I mean, it, again, they, this, was a, this was a team where, that was going to outclass them, better coach, better talent across the board, and it was, it was never going to be a win. Uh, the Ravens score again. This time in the second quarter, Mark Andrews on a one-yarder. Then Marquise Brown scores on a 24-yarder. Seth Roberts scores on a 33-yarder. So by this time, it's 35-7. I mean, my goodness. The Jets get another score on a B.J. Bellow, backup inside linebacker, whose name we haven't really called this year. On a blocked punt, Bellow picks it up and 
gets the Jets another touchdown. It's 35-13. Then, of course, Baltimore marches down the field again. Mark Ingram scores on a 10-yard pass from Lamar Jackson. And then Jamison Crowder scores again from Sam Darnold to close out the scoring on the day. Uh, Darnold to Crowder for 18 yards. Final score, 42-21. Not really uh, what the Jets were looking for. Like I said, I said I said 42-10 or maybe 39-39-10 if, uh, if RG3 got the start. Because remember, we were hearing that, that Jackson was a little bit banged up. So he, he certainly didn't look it. He did not look one bit banged up. On the individual side, however... There were some positives. again, you know, the uh, this defense, even though they gave up a ton of points, those guys up front, and, and Lamar, listen, when you're dealing with Lamar Jackson, it's a, it's a different animal. You almost can't even grade guys the same way because they're, they're going to have to they're going to have to do things against Lamar Jackson that they don't have to do against any other player, any other quarterback in the league, and he's still going to give you fits. I can't imagine being a defensive coordinator sitting up watching that guy on film and trying to come up with a way to stop him. And uh, obviously it didn't work for the Jets. But I will say this. It was uh, in looking at looking at who stood out for this team, I think you'd be absolutely out of your mind if you don't acknowledge the fact that Nathan Shepard had another really good game. Went back and watched the All-22. Uh, check them out at AceFan23, at ACEFan23. Sent out a few clips, a few uh, shots from the All-22 of some of the things that these guys were doing. And once again, Nathan Shepard jumped out. He's uh, he's getting pretty comfortable. He's starting to look like he's going to be a player. But Shepard did himself a nice job. McClendon, another nice job for him. What else is new? And one guy, you know, a guy who, he doesn't get any love because he doesn't get any sacks. But Terrell Basham does a nice job. You know, he'll, he'll pick up a couple pressures a game. He may not, he may not, uh, he may not get to the quarterback. But listen, for a guy who nobody expected him to make the roster, he's probably making league minimum. Um, he is he is finding ways to impact plays. Now, will he be back? I mean, hell, there's so much to sift through with free agency. Who the hell knows, right? But that was uh, another game where that there were guys in that front seven who were just absolutely phenomenal. Didn't feel like Fadakasi had one of his better games. Henry Anderson was good. Not great, but he was good. So some there were some good things to take away from it, in all honesty. As far as offense goes, Jamison Crowder, really nice day for himself. Uh, I don't know if, you, if you're not... Uh, if you didn't see Alex's tweet, and I can't remember, I think I tweeted something out about it. But we're seeing more. We we saw more reps this week for Travon Wesco. He's a guy who's been a liability in pass coverage. Um, his run blocking hasn't been great, but I feel like it was a little bit better this week, especially lining up at fullback and hitting guys on the move. I thought he did a good job there. But uh, before we go any further, we're going to go to the phones. And uh, I believe we have joining us now is Christian Dyer of Sports Illustrated. Christian, are you there? 
I am. Good evening. How you doing, Christian? Good. Just got done with Daddy Daycare for a little bit, so nice to call in for oh, some well, more well, baby talk. Well, hey, here's a little here's a little Daddy Daycare trivia for you, Christian. Um, I, I can't even say the uh, I've never seen the movie myself, to be honest. But uh, for those of you who have seen the movie, apparently the the little kid who who dresses as the Flash, his uh. His dad is a diehard Jets fan. He was years ago when that movie came out. That guy was on the Jets inside or Jet Nation message boards, and he was like, "Hey, everyone, my kid just got signed to be in this Eddie Murphy movie. He's gonna play the Flash. Check it out." So, uh, yeah, that kid's dad, huge, huge diehard Jets fan. Well, but, uh, I was talking about actual daddy daycare taking care of my son, but if if that's the direction we wanted to go with it, absolutely. Oh, well, you said you were doing daddy. Oh, so, okay, so you you were watching your kid then. Yes. All right. Well, well, your kid's dad writes for the Jets, so that's you know that's a big deal too. And and, and don't and don't tell anyone, but he also gets sick when the Jets win and lose, just like daddy daycare's dad. So. Oh, I, I'll tell you what, this team is absolutely driving me nuts. But uh, so Christian, I was just uh, talking about some of the the decent individual performances the Jets had in that you know what was another blowout loss, uh, something we've seen a lot of this year, and I you know I I really think Nathan Shepard is a guy you know people people like to bust chops and say oh it's the steroids and all that but listen the guy the guy's really turned things around I'm sure a lot of people expected him to get dumped um, he's been a really good player Fadakasi I mean those two, to me Fadakasi and Nathan Shepard are the two most improved players on this team this year. Uh, but of course, there's the big name, Quinn and Williams. What are you expecting from him over the final couple of weeks of the year? Because uh, me personally, I'm thinking, play the hell out of the guy, run him out there, give him a chance to make some plays, give him something to build on. No more of this playing, you know, 50, 60 percent of the snaps. What are your thoughts on him? And what are your expectations? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's a great question. And, and first off, you know, I know forty two twenty one, and it, it was what thirty five to seven at one point or whatever it was uh, yeah. last Thursday. I don't know if it felt like a blowout. I know we can use the term blowout. Probably technically, it was a blowout. Um, I, but you know, the Jets moved the ball well enough offensively that it felt like a game that got away from them more or less for me uh, than it was necessarily a blowout. I think. Uh, defensively, given the injuries. I know Jamal Adams doesn't necessarily change that scoreline, but maybe he changes the way the Ravens approach the game a little bit. Um, there are inability really to be able to plug up anything uh, in terms of the run game. Um, you know, I mean, the Ravens did a good job running the ball beyond just Lamar Jackson. Uh, I certainly think Quinn and Williams' loss was, was very much felt in that game. I didn't think he was as much of a blowout. It didn't feel as bad to me as that uh, 33 to nothing game uh, at home to New England and some of the other games this year that have gone the wrong way for the Jets. Uh, to me, uh, the loss in Miami felt more like a loss than this one did. I thought that there was more building pieces there, uh, the, the play off the offensive line. Uh, Darnold wasn't perfect, but if this is a bad game for Sam Darnold moving forward, uh, you know, it, it's certainly uh, not one of the more terrible performances that he's had this year. And I thought Le'Veon Bell stepping forward were good things. So um, I'm going to disagree with you. I, I wouldn't say the term blowout, um, although I guess technically it was. I, I, I thought that it was a better performance than not, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Um, but in terms of, you know, we're talking about Quinn Williams here. You know, this is a guy who a lot of people were, have been slagging on him, and it's not an easy thing to do to be an interior defensive lineman in the NFL. The gap assignments, uh, taking on multiple blockers, uh, really the unheralded dirty work, uh, 
type of things that he needs to do. Now, I think the Jets have been spoiled because they've had some great interior defensive linemen, you know, Sione Boha uh, a, a few years ago and, and Damon Harrison, um, you know, even more recently, uh, a player that the Jets never let, should have let walk, quite frankly, um, you know, have maybe spoiled us a little bit in, in terms of what they've been able to do in production. Uh, but at the end of the day, you talk with people and, and you talk with people in and around the organization. I talked with uh, Buttle a few days ago and, and I asked him about this, Greg Buttle, and um, I, I said, you know, what do you think of the play of Quinn and Williams. And he said, you know, I think the guy's had a good year. He, he's in a position where the limelight's not on him. He's a rookie. It's tough to go up against these interior linemen in the NFL. Uh, he's doing a good job and he's opening things up for other players. And, you know, it's one of those positions, one of the few in the NFL where you really can't rely on stats, uh, either pro football focus or just straight traditional stats of tackles and sacks and everything else. I think he's done a good job overall. And uh, it would be encouraging if he played more and got more snaps these final two games so he can build confidence and the Jets can see what they really have in him. You might be able to make the argument uh, that he was taken too early in the draft. You don't take a defensive tackle or a nose tackle at number three overall. Um, But at the end of the day, I think he's going to be a good player. It's just whether he justifies being taken number three uh, over the likes of Ed Oliver and Josh Allen, some of those names. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where where we're gonna have to see uh, we're gonna have to see him play on a with a better supporting cast around him. Although, again, I think up front, overall between him, Fadakasi, McClendon, Anderson, they they have some some good players up front. And you know, obviously, you, you don't lead the the NFL. You, you don't do what the Jets have done against the run if that's not the case. Um, but of course, you know, fans want to see the numbers. And and I've said that about Quinn and Williams, and and I've said it about a lot of players over the last few years, I feel like this is the impact of fantasy football where if, if fans don't see big numbers on the stat sheet, they just assume a guy is no good. Oh, he didn't, he didn't have 17 sacks like an Aaron Donald. So he, therefore he's not good. Um, and it, it's just not realistic. No, he hasn't been great, but he has done some very impressive things. He's had some, some, some really good reps against some of the most, you know, the top tier elite linemen in the league. Um, against Dallas with uh, Martin and against Kelsey with the Eagles, so he's he's won some battles against some really good players. I think fans are blowing it out of you know blowing out of proportion the uh, the lack of uh, of you know if you don't get points for it in your fantasy league, it must not be important. Um, so one thing I have to ask you about Christian because I mean everyone's talking about it. I've I've been talking about it probably since the beginning of the season because he's a favorite of mine. But what in the world are the Jets going to do with Robbie Anderson? We know they tried to trade him at the deadline. We know there have been times this year where he is completely invisible and does not see more than two or three targets. I don't understand why that is, but but it is what it is. Um, but the way they have, the way they tried to deal him, the way he disappears and isn't a focal point of the offense, makes me think the Jets didn't want him around. But is he now playing at a level where he's not going to give them a choice and they're going to have to offer him a deal? Or is he playing at such a level over these past four games where a team is going to overpay and completely blow the mark out? Listen, I think Robbie Anderson is is a good wide receiver. Um, I think he's the closest thing to a game changer that the Jets have in their wide receiving core. I, I know Jameson Crowder has been a good player for them and Demarius Thomas, uh, I, I think, has come along in the past few weeks and, and been overall solid. Uh, didn't look that way at first, but but overall solid. You know, at at the end of the day, Robbie Anderson is, is the Jets' 
premier playmaker in the passing offense. Uh, some team is going to overpay for Robbie Anderson and probably given the amount of holes that the Jets have, you know, we're talking about two, if not three offensive linemen in free agency, uh, a top 10 draft pick who's going to need to be signed uh, at least one cornerback coming in and, and probably one more body on the defensive line. Uh, the, the Jets may not be able to throw the kind of money that Robbie Anderson is going to be getting uh, per season uh, from some team. And in all likelihood, it's going to be a team uh, that either desperately needs uh, a playmaker or it's going to be a team uh, that that's maybe just a player away from being, uh, you know, a true Super Bowl contender type. You know, you can look at some of those teams out there and say, what could a Seattle do uh, with the Robbie Anderson? Uh, could that take, put them over the top in a very competitive NFC West? Could the 49ers uh, use somebody like that to, to help their offense take the next next step forward? Um, you know, so I, I think that Robbie Anderson is going to have a lot of value. I'm going to say if push comes to shove, the Jets are going to make an offer for him. They'd be foolish to not try to retain him. Uh, but he's not someone you go out there and you spend, I, I don't think, you know, top 10 wide receiver money on uh, like some team may end up doing. You know, the numbers have been good, 92 and a half yards uh, per game over the last four games. But there were also stretches where he was invisible. He had one catch against Washington. Um, I know the offense did a lot of other things and they didn't need Robbie Anderson that day. But that's a game where you think that, you know, he might be able to put up big numbers. He, he had some other games where he was invisible this year. Um, I don't think the Jets should be trying to throw away um, a lot of good money when they have an awful lot of holes on, on this team, in particular on the offensive side of the ball, uh, at Robbie Anderson. It, it would have been nice for them if they had been able to get a day two or a day three pick for him. Yeah, I think uh, I think the, the, his his recent production, it, it puts them in a bind if they were just happy to let him walk because I just I don't feel like this team has enough good players to let other good players walk. You know, you mentioned the money. We'll see where they stand after, you know, the cap is expected to go up to that 10 to 12 million. And then of course you're going to have a bunch of cuts. So I think this team could be sitting at about 85 million in cap space by the time free agency rolls around. But again, that, that does get eaten up quickly. If you're looking to sign a couple of starting offensive linemen and a starting receiver that uh, there, you know, there goes 40, 45 million right there. Um, yeah. And, and do you want to, do you want to throw 10 to 12 million at Robbie Anderson no, I, I don't know if I would throw $8 million at Robbie Anderson at this point, given especially the depth of the wide receiver position in this draft. And that, that's one thing that makes it interesting, because do you look to draft a guy to pair with Robbie so you finally have a good one-two combo, or do you do what you just said now and say, listen, we can pay Robbie 10 Because I, I think that's the floor for him. I think 10 is minimum is what he's getting, um, based on what we saw guys get last offseason. But – do you do that, or do you say, you know what, we'll let him walk, we'll get a cheap receiver, uh, we'll draft a receiver on the cheap, and uh, and hope to get similar production? But uh, we'll we'll see what happens there. But now, so same question, different player, Jordan Jenkins. What do you what are you doing there? That that's a tough one. I mean, you know, he, he's somebody who I, I think has had more consistent production. But w- what do you end up doing? You know, what what's the number going to be on him next year? You know. Uh, I think Robbie Anderson's a little bit easier because when you talk about, um, you know, the wide receiver position, there's a bit more expendability there. You know, running backs were in vogue 15, 20 years ago, and now nobody uses, uh, you know, 
a top draft pick unless it's a Saquon Barkley type or an Ezekiel Elliott type on a running back. Wide receivers is kind of trending in that direction where the depth of the position and the way the offenses are being played, you don't necessarily have to overpay for somebody. But outside linebacker uh, in this league, it's tough. you got somebody coming in, uh, you know, he, he's 25 years old. He's going to be turning 26 right before training camp. Uh, he's on $2 million. Um, he's somebody who I think certainly, you know, coming off that rookie contract, he's going to be making a whole lot more money next year. Um, you know, the production's there. there there's been injuries. There, there's been kind of, you know, some of those little bit of red flags here or there. But to me, Jordan Jenkins is one of those guys you want to keep, especially if you're going to be making some changes on the defensive side of the ball. You know, you're probably looking to bring in one, if not two, starting level cornerbacks already uh, to your back end. Uh, the defensive line is probably going to see one or two different shifts in the rotation, uh, some new names coming in there. To me, uh, that that linebacker core is a spot where maybe you want some continuity. I think Jordan Jenkins is probably the more likely um, out of Robbie Anderson um, to, to be probably retained to be paid top dollar. All right. And before we let you go, Christian, um, only a couple minutes left here, but I wanted to get your, your uh, breakdown for us. The recent article you did for Sports Illustrated, again, uh, you can check Christian Dyer out at Christian Dyer on Twitter, covering the Jets for Sports Illustrated. Now, you you spoke to Chad Pennington about Adam Gase and whether or not he should be let go. Uh, give us a give us a, a a breakdown of what Chad Pennington had to say. Well, I, first first off, Glenn, I mean, you asked me about Robbie Anderson, then you give me your point of view. You asked me about Jordan Jenkins, and then we switched topics. I'm curious your take on, on um, Jordan Jenkins. Well, you know, listen. It's a tough situation again, given the uh, given the fact that they will be looking to spend money on on high end free agents. I th- I feel like Robbie and Jenkins, you have to at least make a solid effort to bring both those guys back because you don't have enough talent to just let guys walk out the door. Um, you know, you have enough holes to fill that you don't have to create more. Now, I think it is a little different on defense. I think you know, assuming you know, we have no idea what's going to happen with these with these guys, but if the, if if they get healthy on defense. If, if you bring if you bring Mosley and Williamson back in the middle, and Jenkins comes back, and and I mean, good if Bless Austin can keep playing at the level he's playing at, the the thing that the worry there though, of course, is the major injury history, which is why you might end up bringing in two corners. But you've got two really good safeties, a two-time Pro Bowler now. You're you're four, five, six deep on the D line. You're getting a Pro Bowl inside an All Pro inside linebacker back. You got Jenkins in there. Really, this this defense could be an edge rusher and a, and a, and a, a quality corner away from being sort of a top 10 unit. And on offense, as much as Robbie Anderson, uh, fans are down on him. I don't know why I get that. They got mad with the police stuff a couple of years ago, but he really does seem to have matured and grown up. So I think that when you get a guy like that, who can stretch the defense and open things up underneath for other guys, and he has chemistry with your franchise quarterback, I think you absolutely make an effort to bring him back. But, uh, it's going to be interesting because I really my my gut feeling was they weren't going to bring him back, but because of the way he's playing, if they don't and this offense struggles and they don't get a deep threat to establish themselves next year, I think the Jets are going to look like idiots for letting Robbie Anderson walk. And it's going to be a thing where he'll sign somewhere for twelve, and they're going to say, "Oh, the Jets only offered ten five. They lost out on a great player for a million and a half, da 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 da, and all that stuff." Now, of course, if you get a uh, 
you know, if Jerry Judy falls and you draft him at the top of round one and he's as good as everyone expects, then everyone's going to forget about it. And that's not a big deal. But uh, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, uh, to, to me, the issue with Jenkins is, is that the guy produces, um, you know, I, I think at a decent clip. He's not an elite outside linebacker, but seven sacks each of the past two seasons. He may add to that total this year. You know, he's certainly trending in the right direction. What's, what's worrisome to me is that um, it seems like, and in particular the last few weeks, he's just been, his sole role on the field has just been, uh, you know, to be sort of that designated pass rusher. We saw him come in the league. He seemed a bit more complete. He was trending. Um, so I'm not sure if that's by design with Greg Williams. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure exactly why it's, that seems to be the case that, um, you know, his, his defensive reps are down this year. But at the end of the day, there aren't too many guys in this league uh, that consistently can put up seven, eight, nine uh, sacks in a year like, like Jenkins has shown. To me, I think you need to put money at that for the sake of continuity. Yeah, I, you know, it, that's the thing is you mentioned him trending in the right direction. I, and I've, I said it last year, and now it, 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 it you know, continued this year. He, he seems to get a little better every year. You know, he's not a Von Miller type where he's blowing past guys or, or knocking guys off, the, you know, knocking guys into the backfield. But it's he's ba- he's got a nonstop motor. He's good enough to beat some guys. And he's also good enough and has enough motor that if the quarterback has to hold on to that ball for a half second longer than he wants to, uh, Jordan Jenkins is going to get there and, and at least lay a hit on a guy. So he, he's a quality player at a position of need. So I think you, you work to retain him. And if the Jets don't, that's again, it's another hole on that roster that they really, you know, they, they can't just let guys walk out the door that way. And it's going to be interesting to see how Joe Douglas approaches it. And you know, and you know how much elite pass rushers cost in this league. If you can get somebody who's kind of in that next tier, entering the prime of his career, who you project this guy's going to be 40, 45 tackles, which Jenkins has done in his career, hasn't done it this year, but has done in his career. And we think he can be a double-digit sack guy, and we can get him for six and a half, seven million dollars and perhaps save four or five million dollars uh, that we can put towards wide receiver, offensive line, cornerback, some of these other spots. Then I think you do it because I think he's, he's not in that category, like you said, with Von Miller's and, and the elite edge pass rushers. But at the end of the day, he can produce uh, some similar numbers that um you know that 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 are that make him a worthwhile investment for his price point absolutely absolutely and you're uh chad pennington still right yeah i was gonna say we're down we got five minutes left what do you got for us on chad pennington uh talking adam gase yeah no i had the opportunity to catch up with uh Chad Pennington a couple days ago, and uh, those who don't know, he's, he's living in uh, Lexington, Kentucky. He's coaching high school football. He says he wants to do that for the next few years uh, while his boys are in school. His boys are all playing football. He's got three boys, so that's got to be a loud, messy house for Mrs. Pennington. Um, and, and he's doing stuff with the NFL, with the alumni, and uh, very involved in that. And, and Chad's a bright guy, and he's got a bright future. And I think college coaching someday or, or in the NFL – uh, as a quarterback's coach and maybe someday as an offensive coordinator, uh, wouldn't be a surprise to any of us who have known him and followed his career. But I had the opportunity to ask Chad about Sam Darnold and some of that uh, material is going to be coming out in the next few days. So stay tuned for that. Uh, he, he had glowing things to say uh, about Darnold as uh, you might imagine, but I asked him about Adam Gase and said, you know, there's been a lot of uh, issues and rumblings and he was an unpopular hire, 
what do you think about uh, retaining Adam Gase for 2020? And, and his words would be, if the Jets don't bring him back, it would be disastrous. Uh, he likes the way that he's handling the quarterback situation. He likes the development. He likes that track record. Uh, he also thinks it would be a real issue if the Jets were to uh, you know, bring in another offensive coordinator or another system that would be counter to what Adam Gase has been running. That would represent a third different offensive coordinator and a third different offensive wrinkle uh, to the system in Darnold's three years in the league, and that would certainly hurt him in terms of his growth and his development. So he sees uh, Gase as being somebody who, who's handled things the right way, uh, may not be the popular pick, but uh, he goes back to the time in Miami, and obviously Chad finished off his career in Miami uh, and, and knows people down there and said that the quarterback room really liked him, that he stands by his players, he doesn't throw them under the bus, uh, and at the end of the day, you know, it, he thinks that he needs to be given the shot to be able to kind of bring this thing around, given the injuries, uh, given the status of the roster rebuilding, kind of everything else that's been floating around outside this team this year, and what's been a, a very unusual year for the Jets, uh, that Gase needs to come back to in 2020. And I think there were some compelling arguments that could be made, and arguments we've heard uh, maybe not necessarily on sports talk radio and some of the stations where it's very reactionary, uh, but very similar to some of the things that we've heard fans such as Fireman Ed say about Gase for a long time now. Yeah, I'm definitely on the um, I do not believe in Adam Gase uh, club. I would have zero issues with him being fired, all respect to Chad Pennington. I get that the team is at injuries, but, uh, you know, listen, the Pittsburgh Steelers are on about their 11th quarterback right now, and they're still managing to uh, – to move the football. And that, you know, that, that's my argument with Gase because uh, every time I say, I don't like the guy, they come back to me with, well, how do you expect him to win with Luke Falk? To which my response is nobody said, win. How, how about a first down? And, and, you know, and then I get the, but Luke Falk was, he wasn't on the team. You know, they just signed him. No, he was on the practice squad and he had more time in Adam Gase's offense than any other quarterback on the roster because he spent a year with him in Miami before, and Adam Gase thought enough of him to bring him to New York with him. And so he was Gase's hand-picked guy who had a year in the offense, couldn't convert a first down with Le'Veon Bell, Robbie Anderson, Jamison Crowder going 0-13 on, on third down. So um, it's not that Adam Gase hasn't won. But, but who, do you, who do you replace Gase with? Well, you know, they missed the boat on Matt Rule. I mean, that's – listen, if I'm the Johnsons and I have, you know, however many billions of dollars in the bank, I go, I go, back, to, I go back to Matt Rule. I tell him, Matt, sorry, we're a bunch of morons. Uh, Baylor, here's your money for the buyout. Matt, how much do you want to come here? Um, wish we had more time on this one, Christian. We're down to about 30 seconds. So I just want to thank you for, uh, for calling in. Always a good time. We'll have you on again sometime soon. And I'll go ahead and give out your handle and let people know where they can find you. Well, I just want to wish everyone a happy holiday and a happy new year, too. And you, you can follow me on Twitter, Christian R. Dyer. That's Christian with a K. And uh, over at Sports Illustrated's uh, Jets Maven, where uh, we're covering the Jets. All right, Christian, thank you so much for, uh, for joining us. And as Christian said, everybody, have a very, uh, very happy holiday season. A Merry Christmas to all of our listeners. And, uh, and a happy new year, too. Alex and I are going to work out which night we're going to do a show. And uh, hopefully, hopefully talk about a, a positive performance. So thanks for tuning in, Jets fans, and we will catch you again soon. Take care. 
Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Jet Nation Radio. Glenn is at AceFan23, and Alex is at NYJetsLife24. Until next time, go Jets!